Hey guys, this is Aisha. Just before you get stuck into today's episode, Taylor and I just wanted to quickly apologize for last week's audio. Turns out podcasting is kind of hard. Also, heads up for today's episode, in some spots you might notice a tiny echo. We've done our best to work through it, but you might still notice it in some spots. Thank you for supporting us and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to That Being Said Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Aisha. Let's get into today's episode. Okay, so welcome back to episode five of That Being Said. We're really excited after this week's episode because we have another special guest. One of our fave people um, is the beautiful Kara from Flow & Co. <laughs> oh, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. That's a lie. I'm very nervous. <laughs> No, bit of both, bit of both. no, we're so excited to have you. Um, we obviously want to have you on because you know you have such you're such an amazing person. You have like such amazing life experience. Um, so yeah, both I, Isha, and I were really, really excited. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah, just trying to vibe essentially. <laughs> Beautiful car is here to tell us all about Flow and Co. Um, I guess we sort of have like a range of questions and Kara has a lot to tell us, which is really exciting. Um, so we'll sort of jump back and forth between Aisha and I. So I guess Aisha was sort of start up first. Just for some context for our listeners, can you give us a quick, like who you are and what you do? Um, sure. I don't love talking about myself, but let's give it a red <laughs> hot crack. Um, Kara. Lovely to meet you if I haven't already. I don't know what to say here. Um, again, I'm from Flow & Co, which is my little baby. Um, what have I done? Where have I been? Everything. I guess I left to secure a high-paying government job about four or five months ago uh, after being on maternity leave and just starting a little gym in my shed. Uh, we just kind of turned it into a little home gym. Thought I may as well do some coaching out of here. I had previously coached for... Um, Australian Emergency Services Recruit, so that was my full-time job that I left. Loved it, loved working um, for the agency, and yeah, just started it sort of on maternity leave, and then just didn't go back because it was just such a dream come true, and I was just felt really, really lucky to be able to do that, and you know, I was really lucky. I had a lot of a lot of members that wanted to come and train with me, which you know, I'm really grateful for. So it meant I didn't really have to go back to my job. So now I'm just out here living my wildest dream which is kind of cool yeah that's like literally insane so I guess like as well obviously um like your expectations for yourself when launching Flow & Co did you have sort of any doubts or worries leading up to your launch or has it exceeded like your expectations more than you thought possible oh constant self yeah, so crippling self-doubt it's beautiful it's really <laughs> that stays with you doesn't it no it was um I think I think it's such a societal thing on women that we're kind of taught to be, you know, assume the worst and, you know, I can't do anything. Don't worry. It's going to be trash. I'm going to be terrible at everything. Um, but that was a, you know, a limiting belief I had on myself. Um, so yeah, it absolutely exceeded my expectations. Again, I'm really lucky to have the members that I have. Um, I'm still, still half of me has that little thing inside that's like, it's too good to be true. It's, you know, it's, you'll never do it. But again, that's just my conditioning. That's my own self-beliefs. Um, so changing that every day to, you know, I do deserve this, you know, why don't I get to be successful? Uh, so it's, it's really cool. And I guess having, having a little girl really 
helps that as well you know I what would I say to her if she was in this position you know um, why don't I have the same attitude with myself can you tell us like what led to you specializing in women's fitness is there a particular facet of that that made you say this is this is what I want to be doing yeah absolutely um I just don't really care about men that much to be fair no and I think there's <laughs> such a um, yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's such a, you know, there's some really be- amazing coaches out there for women, but, you know, the knowledge around, especially coming back from pregnancy, that was a big thing as well. Yeah. Uh, but usually yeah. the knowledge around, you know, how women's hormones work, especially with their cycle, how that affects their strength. Um, I, yeah, I, there's, I haven't seen a lot of that in the sort of day-to-day fitness industry. And I guess I have some, some issues, I guess, with the fitness industry and how they potentially, you know, prey on women and their insecurities and use that for them to make money. So I guess I just wanted a space that was really far away from that. And I really, I really don't like that this space is exceptional. I think this should be the norm. This should be the normal standard of gym that you walk into where the knowledge on women's health is really strong, where, you know, the, the focus is not on weight loss and bullshit like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm really glad to be doing it, but I am disappointed that this is an exceptional space in that sort of sense. Yeah, because I guess like as well, Flow & Co itself is such a welcoming environment for everyone. Um, and yeah, like is a space that people can feel comfortable and get the knowledge that they need or that they've been searching for. I guess with your background of um, specializing in all of that, um, have you felt like you've learned more as well from like your, I guess, students as well, like from learning about them? Has it sort of expanded your knowledge a bit more? Oh, absolutely. And I think the more you learn, especially in the health space, the more you realize you don't know. Um, I think it's, it's going to be an, it's going to be an ever changing process. And that's something I'm really committed to is, is learning more every single year, every single day. Um, it, it also on the flip side has given me a lot of confidence in my own knowledge. Um, you know, mm. I've seen some things work really well, some, some ideologies that I had that maybe didn't fit with the, the standard sort of fitness industry. Um, you know, some things I just really didn't like about it. Um, so it's been really, it's been really nice to be able to have my own philosophy on health and especially women's health and especially around mindset and how to move their bodies and how to train around cycles, things like that. Um, it's yeah. So, but again, I'm constantly learning, constantly learning and I will do forever. So Flow & Co was launched during a still like pretty rocky period during the pandemic and not long after the birth of your first child. This sounds like a super hectic time to be launching a business. What was like the motivation? What was that? What did that kind of look like? Yeah, I'm a dickhead. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) no, I think it's, um, you know, I'm really lucky to have my little girl because she motivates me to do anything, I guess. Yeah. Yeah when I was facing this decision of whether I go back to the secure government job or whether I take a huge risk, um, again, I thought of what I would want her to do. I was like, would I want her to go and do something safe or would I want her to go and like, again, live her dreams and have a red hot crack at it. Um, so having a daughter motivated me to do it in the fact that I want her to see her parents live their dreams. I want her to see her parents that, you know, don't, you know, I don't want her to hear the, like limiting beliefs, like, oh, I could never do that. Oh, one day I'll do that. You know, fucking go and do it. Show her how to do it. Um, Even if it means you fail, like again, failure is just feedback. You just change something, you go again. I want her to see that. And I guess that was the, you know, the old humbling experience of fucking do it yourself then if you want her to do it. So that's rough. (laughs) 
Yeah, and like I guess as well with starting your own sort of solo business, how has it been sort of, you know, balancing not only your social life but your personal life and relationships, I guess, while also starting your own family? Especially working out of uh, like your home, is it separating life and business? Is that difficult? Especially like life, business, relationship, daughter? Um, it took a little bit of adjusting to start with and this is I'm so fortunate to be able to have started out of home um, because it took mm. away a lot of the stresses that people with a new business face like I was really like I didn't have any additional rent um, if you know I had sessions change it was okay because I was at home um, but it definitely did it took a lot of um, a lot of time to be able to say no so especially when I started, I felt like I couldn't say no. I were, you know, it was that whole martyrdom thing where it was like, who am I to say no to business? You don't deserve to say no. You're lucky they're here, which is just, again, that internal self-talk that tells you you're, you're lucky to be here, which I am, of course. Um, but yeah, that was a hard one to get around because I was prioritizing the business over the family. And, you know, I didn't think it was too much of an issue, but then you take a step back and I'm like, oh my God, I've said yes to this person at 6pm on a Friday when that's my family time, that's time for my, my daughter and my husband. And so it took a little bit of time to, um, uh, to really kind of nut that out. And now it's, yeah, it's, it's really good. It's, it's a really good balance. And again, I don't work nine to five. I can go and pick Emmy up and, you know, grab her early from daycare and things. So it works really well. But it took some adjustment. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I definitely feel like when opening like up your own solo business, it does take a bit to adjust and like, you know, there's trial and error. Um, but yeah, I guess like you've you've done such a great job with it. Um, I guess as well, sort of through some of the stuff that you've sort of written about trauma versus stress. Um, what can you like expand a bit more on that, I guess, for our listeners, I guess, to sort of understand that a bit more? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when we were kind of talking about this episode, it was kind of talking about how during this pandemic, we're kind of collectively experiencing this as trauma. And it really, it was really interesting because I, you know, I do a lot of research on these sort of things and I'm in no way, shape or form an expert. Um, I just have a vivid interest in it. Um, But essentially the, the difference that a lot of experts are finding in the way we experience trauma versus stress is really interesting and it kind of lies in it usually has the feelings of helplessness and powerlessness attached to it so you know that's why we can take you know two events that will be identical and two people can experience them so differently depending on how they feel you know they had access to resiliency or you know had access to tools and resources that they could help themselves or felt like they had some power um, where trauma is usually where we're feeling like we don't have any power, we don't feel helpless. And again, we can never have a blanket rule or a one-size-fits-all for trauma. It's just never going to work like that. So this is, again, these are just things that I've read and things I have an interest in, but in no way, shape, or form an expert in. But I think that's why we're kind of all collectively feeling this as some trauma rather than just a really kind of bit of a stressy time. Yeah. yeah. I think as well, like, I guess through, like, your teaching and your approach there's a lot of um I guess things that people don't realize like that why their body may be reacting a certain way um so again I guess as well going over how you coach and why you focus on particular things for each individual um how did you sort of um come across that in that's the way to sort of train people yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it comes from wanting to know, wanting to know a bit more. I also was really lucky um, that I spent 
again, I spent about four years coaching full-time with some really, really incredible coaches. So I had, you know, full-time access to these incredible people that I was able to learn so much from. Um, And that included physios, doctors, things like that. And I just annoyed them all day, every day and learned as much as I could. Um, I also watched a lot of people move for a long time. Um, And also it just... I think it's a, you know, it's not an explored avenue of health in the way of a fitness trainer because no one buys anything from it. No one buys anything from you telling them that stress is the reason that they're losing strength or they're gaining weight or whatever it is that they might want to change. You know, no one makes money from that. Honestly, training is probably the least important aspect when you think of your, you know, your holistic health as in stress. Uh, stress management, sleep, hygiene, hormone regulation, central nervous system regulation. Um, Again, training is something that is incredible and we can do these amazing things and it is really important. But in relation to all of those other things, it's they're equally as important, if not more, and nutrition as well, you know, making sure we're eating enough. A lot of women don't eat enough and, you know, the diet industry constantly tells us that we're eating too much, we're not eating the right thing. Um, it's, It's more about healing that mindset and really getting the hormone regulation that nervous system in check like that's such a huge one and stress is one of the most inflammatory thing on your things on your body um it's Mm -hmm. it's actually a little bit a bit scary when we look at how the society we live in glamorizes stress yeah grind culture and such yeah that hustle culture and that was one thing that lockdown really taught me was those beautiful moments aren't in the hustle culture, you know, they're not in the things that you can, you know, put on Instagram or whatever. It's in those really sweet and slow moments where you can just slow down and connect and, you know, spend a bit of time with people that you love. And yeah, it was, it was really great. Beautiful. So Flow & Co definitely um, does promote a holistic approach to fitness and you've been able to bring other professionals in to support that. Can you explain the importance of having a mind, body and soul approach to fitness and how having a strong network of other people in your field has helped facilitate that? Yeah, absolutely. And like we talked about before, um, as I learn more, I realize how much I don't know. So if somebody has yeah, something yeah. that they're coming to me and they're having this ongoing issue or this acute issue, it's you know, it's not my job to tell them you know what they want to hear or something it's my job to fix it and if I'm not the best person to fix it which most of the time I'm not it's to refer people that I trust that I know have a similar outlook Mm. to me um but yeah it's it's so incredible and it's I really get a lot of energy off other people that are really similarly minded or as passionate about health as I am I guess uh, so it's really good, and I really hope to continue that as well. I'm really hoping to, you know, as the, the studio grows and the gym grows, uh, to be able to sort of attract more people that are sort of similar, and especially in their field, you know, experts in their fields that we can refer. Yeah, and I guess as well, going on to that, like Flonco seems to be that it's like obviously forever evolving and expanding. Um, what does, I guess, the future for Flonco look like for yourself and your business in like, let's say, the next know two to five years like do you expect to expand further um a really good question I guess when I first started thinking about expanding because obviously we've got Campbell studio opening up in hopefully a matter of weeks again I'm trying to trust the process I'm relaxed it's fine no (laughs) it's good can I just ask did you expect to be moving into a whole new facility so quickly um I guess when I made the decision not to go back to my government job, that was when it was like, all right, let's, let's fucking go. Let's give it a red hot crack. Uh, let's find a space. So that's when we started looking at spaces to buy. Um, 
So it was kind of one of those things where I was like, if I'm going to do it, let's fucking do it. Um, and again, if everything goes to shit and it just fails, failure is feedback. I'll make some adjustments. I'll try again or I'll adjust my course. And it'll all, like, timing is so perfect on everything, like, even in the moment if we think it's not. And, you know, the challenges that are there are there to teach me what I need to know in that moment and, you know, get me to grow in whatever direction I'm supposed to. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's been really cool. But I guess with the other question... I assumed I would want to keep hustling and keep moving and I guess a lot of you know success culture and hustle culture teaches you to but the more I think about it I'm like this is here so that I can have a beautiful space for people that I can again live my dream job which is amazing Um, and ultimately it's for my family so that I can spend more time with them than have a space that I really love so I don't really know what that looks like if that means having one that just has enough members to keep moving then I'm cool with that if it means that we want to keep growing we'll look at that when the time comes I guess yeah um I guess it's like really exciting as well I guess due to the progression that you have had I guess tying into this is like if you could speak to your younger self now what would you tell them about the current journey you're on oh that's a good one um (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think it's, it would be, you know, trust the process entirely. Um, also trust yourself and back yourself. You know, I'm really, really fortunate. I've got this like amazing husband that he believes mm. in me so much more than I ever have myself. And I, that's probably something I could wish I could tell my younger self is believe in yourself as well. Like, it, it, you know, it's, you can do this. It, the only thing stopping you is your own limiting beliefs. Yeah, I guess it, like it's always important, I guess, I guess in the time, obviously back then when we were so young, we never really think about the things that, you know, we're going to achieve as we get older. Um, I guess quickly, briefly going back into, I guess, the question of raising girls. um, What does, I guess, that look like for you, you know, as you have Emmy? Do you mind like expanding on that a bit further? Yeah, for sure. So obviously parenting is something that I'm super passionate about because I have to be. I've got an infant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I guess it it makes you reflect so much on yourself, I guess, how you were raised, things like that. And our generation, we're really living as a product of really unconscious Mm. parents. Like, um, I don't know, I obviously don't speak for everyone, but in my immediate circle, um, you know, we had these unconscious parents that, you know, it wasn't their fault. They didn't know any better. And what I mean Mm. by unconscious parenting is that our parents didn't realize, they didn't really know how their actions, language, what we were exposed to as kids has shaped us as adults like even you know how was my mum to know that herself her looking at herself in the mirror every day saying she's fat would cause me to have some body image issues that I would spend years fucking working through and overcoming like how was she to know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just it's I guess it's just crazy as well as we sort of learn a bit more um about it because I feel like that's something that you definitely are well I guess, an understanding and sort of very informed about that. Yeah, well, that's, I try. And again, as a, like, um, you know, we get this opportunity to be really conscious parents, which is equal parts amazing, but also fucking terrifying. I don't know what I'm doing. There's yeah. a book on it. You know, there's, there's a million <laughs> books on it, but there's no sort of general rule. I guess we're just, we're just trying our best to really demonstrate as much as we can really I guess validate her feelings as much as we can. Um, we're like balls deep in the tantrum era at the moment, and 
I have a habit to kind of laugh because it's fucking funny. Like, usually it's when I stop eating some poison or something. And, like, Timmy the other day pulled me aside. It was so beautiful. He's like, darling, he's like, I'd never judge you parenting or anything. He's, you know, but, you know, maybe we, when you laugh at her, it's invalidating her feelings. So, you know, I probably, you probably wouldn't like it if you were really upset and I just laughed at you. And, oh, my God, I felt so fucking awful. But I was like, have you actually been listening to me for the last few years, big fella? <laughs> yeah, you actually listen to me when I talk. <laughs> it was the sweetest thing. Um, but, yeah, that's something we're really conscious of. And language is such a big one for me. So, like, the language of how we use and what that really means for her. And even the littlest things, like... You know, Oh, come here, let mommy fix your hair. That just implies there's something that a fix. Like, um, and even the the way we address her, you know, if she does something rather than calling her like, oh, you've been so naughty or wow, you're so messy or you're being really, or you're so loud. It's kind of separating her actions from her with the language that we use. So things mm-hmm. like, you know, if she made a mess, oh, you've made a mess. It's not, you are messy, you know, and it's, yeah. there's some really great research into it. Um, by Brene Brown, she's one of my favorite authors, and she really talks about the difference between how we experience guilt and shame. And you know that that shame is around, you know, I am bad, and those statements like, oh, you're naughty, or you're messy, yeah. and you know, I am that. You know, these kids, they really get attached to, I am that, rather than separating the action from them, which is, you know, a little bit more in the guilt range rather than shame. And it's, oh, you've made a mess, or you've done something, you know, rather than you're a liar oh, you're a really great person, but you told a lie. And it just separates that, you know, I am bad, I am a liar, to I am a good person, I just made a bad choice. That's that guilt, you know, that they can fix rather than thinking that they're this awful person. Yeah, and I guess, like, that, like, pretty much puts it in a nutshell, I guess, around parenting. Because I guess you would have had to come to it, you know, like, I guess suddenly, I guess, with, you know, when you have your first child, it can be scary, um, but yeah, literally do it. I mean, we don't have kids, so we don't really know. Um, but yeah, like so amazing. Like you see how much of a kind and caring person you are. So oh, yeah, it's amazing. I just, I guess I just see it as like this opportunity for, to, for her to be, and it's fucking terrifying. Again, we'll probably talk to her in 20 years and she'll tell me how fucking awful I am, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, I'm just really passionate about, especially around her growing up, like, not having the body image issues, not having the, you know, the things that our parents really put on us and, you know, the things around their self-worth and self-esteem and things. So again, it's going to be ongoing and I'm sure each year will bring its challenges and, you know, we're already starting those little things with, um, with like her food and things like that. Like, you know, getting her to trust her own body. And again, she's a toddler. Like, you know, some people probably think it's too young, but they pick up so much more than you even realize. So even things yeah. like it's such a it's such a parental kind of survival thing to try to make your kid eat, but you know even little statements like oh you know your body better than I do you'll eat if you're hungry rather than her constantly looking for to me um, to yeah. know her body about what she should eat about when she should eat things like that um, whether she's thirsty again it's it's kind of teaching that trust in her own body as early as we can. And kind of just making sure that we demonstrate really good behaviors, so especially around food, around body image, around all the things that I'm really passionate about. Um, you know, we don't we don't have language in our house like good food, bad food, cheat meals, diets, things like that. And again, it might be like Tim and I might have conversations like without her there, but when she's there, it's very much you know we we try to be still authentic in the language. That's really much, really how we live, but it's you know being mindful of how this impacts. 
I think uh, it seems to be a very common experience, especially among um, young women. Just as you said, like our parents didn't really know, but the comments like, oh, do I look like her? Do I look fat in this? For some reason, they just seem to stick with us growing up. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I know you've talked to me about some experiences you've had, Aish, and I'm really sorry that you've ever had to experience that, but... And it is like we don't. It was again. Our parents aren't these awful people. They really, you know, they thought they were doing the best, and they were so influenced by their society of the time. Um, but they didn't realize what it did to us. Like you know, my mom's not particularly bad, but she was still on like diet shakes, and you know, she's always mm. I don't know Atkinson's diets, whatever they are. It was still quite prevalent in the household that food is good or bad being big is not okay you always strive to be a smaller human and again you take all the societal context out of that and it's so ridiculous you don't need to be less literally less of a person to be lovable or worthy and things like that and again we get this opportunity like the media is a bit fucked like social media is a bit fucked with it but our immediate household will not be you know which is really cool yeah i feel like even today it's still we we obviously know the work that's involved, but it still can be very difficult to control what uh, media and stuff, what content you're consuming, how that affects you, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, we can't control what's out, you know, what, what media we yeah. can in to, to some degree, but we can't really control society. We can in, in large numbers, and we've seen that time and time again over the last kind of 50 years, which is so incredible. Um, I think it's just really important to to unpack it as those feelings come up and kind of realize what they're there for. You know, even things like, oh, I think like that because my mum thought like that, or, you know, society's taught me to think like that. It's not, rather than really internalizing them as your own beliefs and your own values. Yeah, and I guess as well with, I guess, Flo and Co, you provide such a safe space, I guess, for anyone and everyone, no matter who they are, what they look like, um, to be there in that space. And I guess, how does that sort of make you feel when you see, you know, all of that positive impact that you have had on others? Like I said before, it just kind of makes me pissed that this isn't the normal like yeah like it just this should be the standard this should be what especially women's and gender diverse people's gyms are it's you know and I'm, I'm so far removed from the traditional health and fitness industry I guess that I get it feels like a slap in the face when I see you know an advertisement for a cream that gets rid of cellulite or fucking yeah. I don't know wear tread I don't know what they are eight week challenges I'm like oh no ew don't do that um, and yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm an exceptional person in any state. I'm, again, this should just be the normal. This should be what most gyms are trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, Flow & Co definitely does have a strong focus on what your body can do rather than what it looks like. Yeah, because they do this cool shit and we still fucking bang on about how it looks. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, as well... Uh, in Flow and Co, in the sense of how the classes are structured, how I guess like the importance of play, I guess for Flow, I know for me it's like the favorite time to like go on the hoop or like the rings. Um, I guess like I think you've sort of said like it's to bring yourself back down to like you're able to still play. Like just because we're adults doesn't mean you know we can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And don't lie, your favourite is the trigger ball, man. <laughs> I 
my god, absolutely not. That bloody uh, hip flexor. Ooh, spicy times. Um, but yeah, that play element is just so important and we tend to lose it as we get older and that's something, you know, having a daughter, I want her to see me play. You know, we go outside every day and do cartwheels and handstands and just dumb stuff. Um, sorry, dumb, it's amazing. Um, but that play <laughs> is just so important to continue because I guess if you think back to the time when you stopped playing, when was it? Was it when, you know, for a lot of girls, it was pretty much when we were told to just be pretty and shut up. Um, and Mm. you know, that plays so great for your body in the way of, you know, a regulating nervous system, like what it does for your hormones is pretty cool. Um, and just, it, it it can help with like some reparenting stuff as well, which again, I probably won't go into again. I'm not too much of an expert on that, but it's really worth Mm. looking into if this sort of thing interests you. Um, and it's also, it's just fucking fun. Like how many things do we do just because they're fun? You know, even, even the cool things that we do. Um, we tend to have an extrinsic motivation attached to them in the way that, you know, we want to take a photo so we can put it on Instagram. We want to prove to somebody that we can do it, you know, even if we're proving to ourselves that we can do it, but it's in a bit of an egotistic way. I think these play elements, especially if you're just by yourself, you're just hanging out, like something that is that intrinsic motivation, just because you want to explore your body a little bit more or you want to do something a bit different. Like it's, it's fun. You can have fun. That's the point of life. Yeah. I think, like, as well, like, the good point that you put there is, like, you know, that egocentric part of it where it's, like, oh, I need to do it to put it on Instagram. But, like, even in that time when you are doing it, like, you don't really even think about that. Like, you're just, like, oh, my God, like, I just fucking, I don't know, did that thing on the hoop. Like, it looked like I had a split or something. <laughs> Most of the time when I'm on the hoop, I'm thinking, ow, please stop. <laughs> yeah. End it. Take the photo. I know like I feel like as well like when you're in the play element yeah like Aisha said it's not like oh look at this just like quickly take the photo because like this hurts if I get her on get her on action shot mate I'm gonna have to screenshot a video pretty quick that's how I feel but yeah no, and there's like there's nothing wrong with you want to share that like especially if this no. is yeah. something you're really proud of that's amazing but if you're finding you're doing these things for mm. external motivation that's when you know it kind of steps away from that play space but yeah i know i love yeah. plays my favorite part of the the gym actually yeah no it's it's really it's a good time do you have any like favorite mindfulness techniques maybe to separate yourself from those outside sources of validation yeah absolutely um and that's something i've struggled with for i, well, I did struggle with for a long time and it's it's been a really good few years um i think a lot of a lot of journaling really helps me. I know it's, it's some people don't particularly vibe with it and it's going to be so different for everyone. Um, but journaling really helps me and especially just to, you st- I don't know, you start to write things down and you're like, oh, fuck, that's in there, is it? Interesting, good to know. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, I find that really, really good. Also, I find getting in nature really powerful for ego. Mm. I think there's something just about being outside, being like a way just it makes you feel quite small, which is a really mm. nice humbling thing. It's, you know, you get out into this space and you realize how big the world is and how beautiful it is and how the things that you're concerned about aren't important or aren't necessary. Yeah. Like they're almost so little. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So that's really helpful. Yeah. For me. And again, play, play just gets you out of your head. Yeah. i definitely feel like those are all strategies that like everyone can sort of relate to I guess in a sense when they feel like they're getting in that space I've got everyone around me trying to convert me to this journaling (laughs) I love journaling I think it's like I mean like like I said we spoke about in episodes a while ago but like 
oh, I froth it. But sometimes, yes, I do look back and I'm like, oh, that's... that's oh, so don't look back. You can't. The shame. <laughs> 2012 Taylor, she was something else. You have sent me some of those. They are outstanding. I've told Tim, yes. if you ever fucking open this, if I die, you burn it. It's, oh, burn yeah, it. That's got to go, mate. That's Bro, that, don't open it. Don't... But I do, I do think, like like you said, it is such a good technique for those that yeah. you know can do it because it's a way that you can put your feelings on paper and sort of like understand how you felt in that moment. Um, and it's the same with going outside and you know going to nature. I like both Aisha and I. We love nature. We love going out because um, it does. It makes all those other problems that you sort of think on so small. I guess I feel like there's this weird physical element to going outside where it does kind of like. It's very easy to feel stressed and pent up when you're in a little room, but something about going outside, mm. it like metaphorically expands your mind, both not metaphorically and metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. And like, if you think about like the energy exchange, if you're in, you know, these, this artificial room and then you go out into like the literal energy of nature, like, and especially I, do, I like to do a little grounding where I don't wear shoes on dirt and things like that. And that's like, I'm getting a bit fucking wild here for you. Don't. Don't press this too hard, but um, no, just just to get in touch with that like energy and stuff is just I find that really really helpful. Obviously, I'm an absolute slut for a crystal. Love some breath. Oh love. yeah. I can. You've started something you can't finish, boys. <laughs> Full moon. Get the crystals out. Cleanse that shit. Absolute slut for it. Journal. <laughs> burn it. Got to go. It's great. Good get time. Sage-tick. It's helpful. <laughs> no, so we wanted to like thank you so much for joining us for this episode and sort of expanding a bit more about yourself and Flow and & Co and all the amazing things that you do. Oh, um, Thank you so much for having me. I feel very special. I really appreciate it. Do you want to plug where our listeners can find you? Oh, yeah. Fucking come and have a look. That'll be a hoot. Um, <laughs> we're, we're on the gram. We're on Facebook. We've got a fancy new website. And we're also um, opening in Campbell 5 on Calma Way. Again, don't know when that is. We're blaming COVID. <laughs> yep. There's some but she'll be there. <laughs> Thank way. you so much again, Car. We love talking to you and we'll make sure that we all have all the links in the bio when we post. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>